Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from our gracious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is taken from this gospel lesson, which is so rich in beautiful theology. I guess what I could do is maybe briefly summarize what is taking place in this text. Jesus is circumcised on the eighth day. That would be, I guess we might say, New Year's Day, a circumcision that was required by the law, already pointing to the fact that Christ is going to stand underneath the law to fulfill the law so that he might fulfill it for us. As then the text moves on, it takes up the subject of Mary and her purification. It sounds as though it might be that it took place right away, but actually Mary waited 40 days for her purification to take place. And at that point, they bring Jesus up to the temple and there they redeem him. They buy him back, so to speak, because of the fact that this was required also by the law. We'll explain that a little bit later. And then in comes the man by the name of Simeon. And Simeon has been promised by the Holy Spirit that he was not going to die until he had the chance to actually see the Christ child. And he takes that baby up in his arms and he says something that we sing and have been singing for years in our liturgy. I remember the words in this way. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the Gentiles in the glory of thy people Israel. Those were the words that used to be a sword in my own soul. Now back in those, you know, those college days when everybody believes in God but doesn't go to church, those were the words that whenever I would walk into a church, a Lutheran church, singing that liturgy, when those words were sung, they stung in my heart because I had sung them all my life. And they spoke to me with great power, telling me probably that my faith was still alive, but also calling me back to that church where we worshiped our Lord. There are things in this text that I think we need to reflect or think about. Things that are reflected in each of the things that are happening here. Is this what we do? Yeah. Was Jesus' circumcision something that was optional? So often we kind of think of this liberty that we have as Christians as, well, we can do anything that we want to do as long as we're sincere about it. But was this something that, they, that was an option for them? Like baptism today, is that just something that's optional? When Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so on. Is that optional? Was this circumcision symbolic and does it mean that because it was somewhat symbolic that that therefore meant it was optional but it did symbolize he was circumcised on the eighth day 
The eighth day was always understood to be the day that pointed to the day of the new creation. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And on the eighth day, for which there is no ninth day, we will enter into eternity, and it will be day for all eternity. Symbolized baptism or, or circumcision now pointed to the fact that the day would come when as believers in Christ, being justified by grace through faith, that we would enter into eternity with Christ. It was also an act that represented putting off the flesh, that when one becomes a Christian, that one rejects the sinful desires of the flesh, that one will fight against the desires of the flesh. And of course, it also meant that it was blood covenantalism, that is to say that the bond that takes place between us and God always has to take place in blood, and it pointed to the day that the blood of Christ would be the means whereby we would make peace with God, and through his blood shed on that day, the first act of the atonement, that Christ would actually bring about our redemption through his blood. It is what they did. Whether they understood it or not, it is what they did because it was commanded by God. Was Mary's purification optional? This act whereby she brought her son after her 40 days of purification then to the temple, was it also optional? It was called upon and required by the law. You see, it goes all the way back to the time of the Passover. There, when that angel of death passed over the people of Israel's households, the firstborn son of the Israelites were spared from dying, and this meant that God owned, if you will, the firstborn son of every Israelite family. In order to be able to receive the son back, they had to buy him back. They had to redeem their own son back again with an exchange, with a sacrifice. What did that point to? We talk about being redeemed by Christ. It means that he is, in a sense, buying us back. That he is giving his life in exchange for ours. He is the sacrifice that actually redeems us. This is what it is that his redemption is pointing to. It is, is it not, something that we do? When we are baptized, we are cleansed, purified. When we come to the Lord's table and we eat and drink according to the command of God, here we eat and drink of his body and his blood, and he redeems us from our own sins. You see how it is that these are the things that we do. We sometimes call this tradition, isn't it? Sometimes the bad label that's labeled onto liturgy. This is traditional worship, as though there's other kinds of worship. Tradition means that this is what it is that Christians do, and what it is that Christians agree to do, and it is what binds us all together. But it is what we do as Christians. Secondly, connected to the idea of what we do is also the idea of where it is that we go to do what we do. 
Was it necessary for Simeon to go into that temple? I suppose we could say that, well, the third commandment is binding us. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But Simeon was not given the privilege of being able to see the Christ child on the road to Bethlehem. He was not given the privilege of seeing the Christ child in the streets or in the marketplace of Jerusalem. He went into the place where God has chosen to make his name known. That is to reveal him for really who he is, his hidden self. And it was there where one would hear God's word. One would see the worship and the liturgy taking place. Where one would, before one's eyes, see and understand the redemption that was yet to come by the sacrifices taking place in that temple. Where is it that we go to meet Christ. Is it not here in God's house that we meet him in the most special way? There are good reasons for why we come to God's house, right? We are here by God's word challenged to think outside of the cultural prison that this world lives in where we can achieve to the wisdom that God has for us. But even more so, it is here that we actually see God's salvation. What Simeon called the light to the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel. It is here that we hear what we cannot hear out there in the world. The readings from the Old Testament, the readings from the Epistle lesson. What were they saying? That we are justified by grace through faith in Christ. That it is not a matter of our own doing. It is not our works. It is not our righteousness. It is not our deeds. It is not our worth before God. That rather, that this is a gift that God gave to us and gives to us through Christ our Lord. When Travis was baptized today, there before our very eyes we saw somebody inheriting all the treasures of heaven. And it is here that we come in order to see that salvation. Simeon was not a casual believer. In that text, he does not call his Lord Kyrios. He calls him despotes, where we get the word despot. He was a kind, his God was a kind and benevolent ruler. And he was so gracious to him as that kind and benevolent ruler that Simeon could say, now, Lord, you can let me die in peace. Can we say that when we come here? That no matter what might happen to us, if we should die tomorrow, that we know that we are going to be in heaven and we're going to be with Christ. And that's why those words are so cutting to the soul because it tells us now we can depart. Simeon was speaking of his death. We can depart in peace. For my eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. It is where we go. Christians not only do what we do and go where we go, but we also have something to expect. It's hard to imagine what it is that Mary was, must have been thinking as all these things took place, that angelic announcement that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God. 
when she went to Zechariah and Elizabeth's house and this joyful overflow where Elizabeth cries out at the fact that the child in her womb is going to be preceding the glory of the Christ child that is in Mary's womb. Can you imagine what was in Mary's mind? Mary must have been befuddled almost to the point of not comprehending the glory of what was there when those wise men showed up, when those shepherds showed up and they were worshiping and bringing gifts. But there are also indications that Mary too struggled with the mystery of what was taking place. When Jesus is 12 years old, he goes up to the temple and she they, gets lost for three days and she's looking everywhere, but where it is that she should have been looking. Where was he? In the temple. When Jesus changes water into wine, Mary seems to misunderstand his purpose or his role. She expects that he's going to now start pulling up his power and using it to feed everybody wine. And there are times in which even Mary shows up and actually makes it look as though Jesus should be coming home because he seems to be stirring up too much controversy. That's what Simeon was trying to tell her and what to expect. He said, this child is set for the rise and the fall of many in Israel. They're going to be, he's going to be like Moses. It's a do or die. He's going to be a person who is going to challenge the hearts of everybody like Nicodemus, where he's going to basically be saying, it's either left or right. It's either that you join and you become a Christian and you confess before the world, or you recede and you lose what it is that you have been offered and given. You see, that's what she meant, the rise and fall of many in Israel. But then he tells her what else to expect that a sword would pass through her own soul as well. One can well imagine a mother standing at the foot of a cross, watching her son pierced with nails, wearing a crown of thorns, being crucified with the most agonizing death ever invented among human beings. And as she stares and sees this sword passing through the soul of her own heart, she realizes that what she is experiencing is what goes with being a Christian in this world. Yeah, what is it that we expect because we are Christians? We, of course, have every right to be able to experience that same kind of joy that Mary had at the birth of Jesus. Yeah, the great joy of those angels, the great joy of his birth, the great joy of knowing who he is, the great joy of being able to see him being worshipped as the Savior of the world. But at the same time, we're going to have to realize that those swords are also meant for you and for me. The world is always going to hate Christ. Get over it. The world is always going to hate those who are followers of Christ. There are going to be false Christ, false religions, false teaching. There are going to be people who are going to blaspheme the very name of God himself. Truth is going to be labeled as falsehood and falsehood is going to be sold as truth. We as Christians have to expect this. It's what we expect. Well, so as Christians, stepping into the new creation, as Travis did today, in the waters of holy baptism and binding God to 
to ourselves through and by means of his blood. That is what it is that we do. As Christians, we also enter into God's house Sunday after Sunday, maybe even daily, maybe oftentimes more than once on a day during feast days, during holy days. It is here that we come to hear God's word, to learn the scriptures. That's where we go when we are Christians. And although there are joyful celebrations and wondrous hope, we also have to expect swords, swords of sorrow and disappointment, fights and struggles and warfare with sin and evil, with a world that hates Christ, slanders him, injustice against our Lord, and an attempt to destroy the wondrous and great news of his amazing grace. Grace. The greatest possible gift that anybody could ever receive will come with a cross and with a sword. It's what we expect. So now that I'm going on sabbatical, <laughs> now that I'm leaving you for two and a half months, I say be good, <laughs> but do what you do faithfully. Do what you do faithfully. Go, come to God's house faithfully. And stand ready for what you should expect. For crosses and swords mixed with joy that will always be there wherever it is that Christ is to be found. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.